seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn. Hello everyone and welcome to Swansea and the Twilight Show on Teachers Talk Radio with me, Nathan Ginn. Now tonight we are joined by Ellie Sturton, secondary PE teacher, and we are talking things physical education, what sort of training we've had, what confidence we have, and what pedagogy looks like in PE lessons. Croiso, welcome, let's go. Live from Swansea, this is the Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello everyone and welcome to Swansea and welcome to Teachers Talk Radio, the Wednesday Twilight Show with me, Nathan Ginn. And the, the things I have to tell you about this week, we are just about to be talking PE and we are talking about the training for PE. Um, there are so many aspects to this. I'm really excited about the show, but I am sat looking at a fire that has just gone out. So, uh, you know, I'm going to have to make a decision. Do I do I freeze slowly throughout the show or do I um, do I at some point, maybe during the news, go and try and try and relight my fire? Now, as you may know, if you listen to the show, um, I have recently moved house and I have made probably, I guess, a, a fundamental error of judgment in not really paying attention to the central heating. Uh, I moved to South Wales over summer and it was beautiful. Uh, sunny beaches, it, you know, it's been lovely. It has started to rain and it has started to get cold. And I've looked at the central heating and it turns out I have an incredibly expensive new central heating system that runs off an app um, that I cannot control from within the house. And... Um, yeah, the, the the previous owner apparently still has control over. So there is someone out there who can turn my heating up for me. If you are listening, previous owner of my house, please turn the heating up uh, while I try and work out how to do it myself. Um, if you are listening from somewhere else in the country, let me know what the weather's like. I have become obsessed with it at the moment. Apparently it is normal for rivers of water to be running down the road here in South Wales. Um, apparently that that's perfectly normal. I watch PE lessons out of my window and the rain is sideways. Apparently that is normal as well. Um, so if you are listening from somewhere else in the country, let me know uh, what the weather's like for you. Let me know where you are. You can text us. You can message us on social media. You can even call in. Uh, now, as I said at the start of the show tonight, we're talking about physical education, PE. Uh, and specifically, we're going to be talking a little bit about gymnastics, which seems to come up as one of those... Uh, elements that people most struggle with most fear maybe is the right word um, and so we should be joined by our guest Ellie um, Ellie I think I can see you in the studio there so if you want to click that call in button I should be able to invite you uh, to join us and we'll be able to hear you talking welcome you to the show uh, so Ellie can you hear me yeah can you hear me uh, you are coming through loud and clear uh, welcome to Teachers Talk Radio thank you for having me um, 
So before we get started, I guess we, we better find out a little bit about you. Um, so uh, currently a, a PE teacher I said I introduced you as and a gymnastics coach as well. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, you know, how did you get into teaching? Were you a gymnastics coach before teaching? Um, yeah, so I've coached gymnastics for six years now. Um, but I also obviously participated in it as a sport from around the age of three. Um, started volunteering just when I started high school, really, sort of just grow out of it. Um, and qualified when I was 16. So started my full-time well, part-time work, fully just doing gymnastics. Um, and then went to university, studied three years doing PE um, and then just qualified this year from my PGCE year. Um, so I'm just currently on supply this year um, doing PE and some general cover as well. Okay. And where in the country are you based? Um, I'm in Warrington, so northwest. I have to say, you know, and this will probably upset many, many of our listeners, but I, as soon as you get above Nottingham, Nottingham is north for me where I grew up. I, I rarely travel above. So we're talking qu- quite north, right? Um, yeah, it's in between Liverpool and Manchester. In between Liverpool and Manchester. So uh, yeah. what's the weather like there? I did say I'm a bit obsessed at the moment. Is it raining? Um, it has been all day. It's a little bit brighter now, but it's, uh, yeah, it's not great. Not great. Um, and I guess, I don't know, maybe we can talk about that a little bit later on about PE teachers and being out yeah. in the weather. Because honestly, I have watched some, where my classroom is, I have a window that points out onto our um, uh, our, our football pitch, um, our kind of AstroTurf football pitch. And I can look out the window and sometimes I do really feel for... Uh, not just the the children who probably have got maths or something warmer afterwards, but the PE teachers who are out there kind of getting blown sideways. So maybe we'll get onto that possibly a little later. But as I say, I'm obsessed with the weather at the moment because having moved to South Wales, I've not seen rain like it. It is is something else here, one of the wettest parts of the country, they say. Um, So you said you started gymnastics quite early. I mean, that sounds yeah. early to me. But um, what were yeah. your experiences of PE at school then? Um, well, I had quite a positive experience um, in PE. I really enjoyed it. I was very competitive. I got involved throughout primary and secondary um, in like the extracurricular and the sports teams. Um, and we were very lucky when I was in both primary and secondary. We had very good facilities for PE. So there was you know, a wide range of sports taught um, and to a, to a very good standard. Um, and, you know, that this helped definitely with, you know, building my passion and my love for sport. Um, and I did, I had very good relationships as well with my teachers. Um, they definitely pushed for me to, you know, do my GCSE and my A-level sport and, and get into uni doing PE. Um, yeah, I, I, it, I loved it. And I guess maybe this is, you know, a question around it. Like people have talked a lot about, as we've asked these questions, sort of put out on social media in the run up to this show, they've talked about a question around being too disciplined too early in a a specific sport or being a generally sporty person, which I don't like the phrasing of. But, you know, were you sporty across the board then? You were playing maybe netball. You were good at, uh, you know, other things at school. Yeah, I think um, I was, yeah, 
I'd say generally sporty. I sort of had I had a good um, skill level across the board. And I think that was, I don't know whether it was natural or whether it was just because I genuinely enjoyed getting myself involved in sports. So I, I would go to clubs and I would improve my skill level. You know, I'd even just go in and play out with my friends and like we'd play football or we'd play rugby, um, you know, round as cricket. We'd, you know, we'd make things out of, you know, get the sticks out of the bushes and build our own goals. And, you know, that definitely helped with me being generally good at sport. And uh, thinking back to those sort of um, early days, and particularly at the start, I guess it's a really interesting part for me. Is So you were doing gymnastics ex- like externally to school when yeah. you were younger. Yeah. And then you were coming into school. And, uh, you know, I'm from a primary background, so I'm imagining a, a primary gymnastics-type yeah. lesson. As someone who was doing it, and you know, I'm going to assume probably quite good, at certainly at a level above um, – how did those lessons feel to you where you were, you know, doing something quite maybe high level outside of school and then coming in and getting, you know, I don't want to say a basic level, but a, a primary school level gymnastics in school? Um, I think during primary school, we well, we had um, quite good-ish facilities. So I, w- I was able to um, sort of practice at my level um, and there was, I remember there was another child in my class who did gymnastics. So we always sort of stuck together. But my teacher had no knowledge of gymnastics at all. I, I remember her always saying to like me and my mum, like that they're not able to push me in school because, you know, there's, they, they can't, they, they don't have the training. They don't have, you know, the, the safety, the facilities to, to do that. So it was sort of stuck at one level at school. Yeah. Um, now, we did have another caller there for a second. Uh, Bren- Brenda Hemphill, I think. Um, if you want to call again, I just missed connecting you there. But if you have a question, click that call in button and you can join us. So, Brenda, if you're still listening, uh, click again and I will try and get to connecting you just in time. Um, now, um I, I do always wonder about that, um, Ellie, you know, when we're talking about particularly in primary school and people who do it outside of school and, you know, how, whether we can meet their needs. But one of the things I certainly started this conversation with me um, this week was I said PE I find really hard to understand and particularly things like gymnastics that we'll talk about a little more because, the, you know, the, it essentially for me there is a, a low bar and you can kind of start anyway anywhere yeah. and then there is there is no ceiling to it you know it, literally potentially if it was football you know I could have someone who was elite level playing football within a lesson or football where I had I was just introducing it to others and that range or potential range um, particularly at primary and I guess in key stage three as well um, maybe less so as they get into GCSE must be incredibly hard as a PE teacher to to kind of get your head around and plan for yeah I think especially you know in a sport that you're not particularly confident in or or have the necessary training in you you can't facilitate for those really gifted students who excel in that particular sport especially in gymnastics because you you know it's really dangerous for somebody who's not trained to support 
you know, a back handspring, for example, to then do that with a student who, even if they are capable of doing it, needed that support. And, you know, if they were to injure themselves, it would be on you because you haven't got that training. Um, yeah, I guess that that risk, you know, the, the worst I could do teaching maths as a non-specialist is, is confuse a child that could be undone. Yeah. But I, I guess in a PE lesson, th- th- those risks, particularly in gymnastics, can be can be greatly um, multiplied. Um, now, one of the things I also wanted to work, because we're, we're kind of skating over our, our topics a bit, and we are going to get back to training and why people, what training people have. Um, but one of the things I wanted to ask you, sort of just as we're kind of feeling our way and getting, getting to know each other and for the listeners, is um, one of the things that's come out is a lot of primary schools are seeking specialists for PE. Yeah. And again, I, I have an issue around this word um, because I don't necessarily think that some of the people being used are specialist PE teachers. I think there are certainly some multi-sport coaches going into primary yeah. schools. Um, but do you think that PE is then, an in, because of this kind of uh, risk, it is an inherently difficult uh, subject to teach or to be trained in? Yeah, I think... It's interesting the whole getting specialists in because, like you say, the a lot of primary schools will bring in sports coaches, and there is that there is a difference between being a sports coach and being a PE teacher, um, especially you know with with primary children who won't have you know they'll lack that the um, fine and gross motor skills and you know the coordination and that's all stuff that needs to be taught from reception but um I think it's it's important that teachers are either themselves or getting in PE specialists so that they can teach these children the right thing so that when they do come to high school they they have an idea on on what they're doing and they're not teaching sort of not the wrong rules but maybe not the correct rules or the correct techniques that need to be brought up to then high school. And for, you know, a lot of children will take PE, take a sport from PE that they particularly enjoy and will then go and do it outside of school and they might find that it's different than in school or, you know, they might have had the wrong idea of what that sport's all about because it's not being taught correctly. Um, and then that obviously does come down to, you know, a lot of factors, resources, money, time in the curriculum, um, you know, and a lack of enthusiasm a lack of love for PE by teachers yeah I think I you know I want to talk about that a little bit more later when we talk about primary school teachers are general generalists you know we we teach across everything and it's hard to have a passion for everything yeah Um, but it's easier I think to sometimes fake it for some subjects than it is for others. And certainly if you don't have a basic working understanding, I think, you know, I could probably get away with faking my my passion for any history topic, being a geographer. I could, you know, I could get away with faking my passion yeah. for a lot of things. I can't get away with faking playing a guitar. I can't get away around with faking some of the sports skills that are needed. There's, there's a difference yeah. there, I think. You know, more, it's more than just I like football you actually have to be physically 
capable of demonstrating some of the stuff, at least I would I would imagine. Now, we talked yeah. a little about specialists there as well, and it takes me on to my, my final little question, and that is about Joe Wicks. And we've yeah. talked a bit about sports and things. You know, you've mentioned rules, things like that. They do, you know, competitive sports exists within the PE curriculum expectations across most schools, the, you know, competitive sports and uh, some of the rules and also some things like uh, dance and gymnastics as kind of specific content. Yeah. Lockdown happened and Joe Wicks came in as, you know, I'm doing bunny ears with my fingers, you know, the nation's PE teacher. Yeah. And some people took that in different ways. Was it PE? Was it something else? It, you know, should we be focusing more on well-being and fitness and things? Um, how did, did you see any of that Joe Wicks kind of PE, and I'm doing the bunny ears again, those PE lessons that he was putting out? Um, I, I, I saw a couple. I didn't keep up with it, um, but... Uh, yeah, I think I um, personally, it wasn't PE. To me, that's not PE. Um, it was more physical activity. Like I, I, I was totally for it. I thought it was great what he was doing. Um, but the PE is, is more, you know, yeah, keeping fit, keeping active, but it's games and sport, whereas what he was doing was keeping fit, keeping healthy, you know, keeping himself physically active and you know, I, I understand, like, why he's done it because he's trying to, you know, he was trying to keep a bit of routine, you know, get children, families up in the morning, get themselves active, ready for a day of school. Um, but no, I, I don't think it was PE. It was definitely not PE. It's okay. I am, I'm a hundred percent with you on that. For you know, I can see it as an element of PE, and yeah. certainly within a, you know, within a broader PE curriculum, certainly staying healthy and all of those things. But, you know, when I was going through the research for this show, there was um, certain things. And let me just see if I can find the article right now that I, I pulled out just so many quotes that were, I don't want to say red flags, but they certainly, I was like, oh, I'm not sure I agree with that for PE. But it was an article by Ian uh, um from this year in March, um, who was talking about uh, in the test saying, uh, is PE the mo most important subject of all? And these were some of the phrases that were coming out that, kind of sit, you know, PE as a a way of just maintaining fitness. And so they were saying, you know, it's kryptonite against COVID and global pandemics because we'll all be healthy. And I was like, well, it's, it's more than that, surely, you know. They yeah. said, um, ensure we reignite the passion within our pupils to maintain physically active and healthy lifestyles. I'm kind of, is that enough for core PEs it's oh, kryptonite against global pandemics again um, our subject has the capacity to bring lifelong healthy lifestyles um, you can be have an amazing life when you're physically active leading a healthy lifestyle do you feel that PE is about having a, a healthy lifestyle I think it's definitely a part of it um, you know children you know, should be, it's like a requirement that children have, you know, 60 minutes of moderate, vigorous physical activity a day. But that is that shouldn't be down to PE to do that. That should be something that children are doing anyway, like outside of school, you know, even just going to the park and having an hour running around 
playing at the park or if they do a sport outside of school. But PE is more about it's it's learning, it's learning new sports. It's the same being sat in a maths lesson or an English lesson or history. You're sat in that lesson to learn, but just the differences in PE you learn whilst you're doing. Um, and yeah, you do keep active, but there's not enough time in a PE lesson to, you know, do 60, 60 minutes of vigorous activity and learn you know new new sports at the same time it, it's difficult yeah I, do you know um do you know about the daily mile that's sometimes done in primary schools yeah yeah you know so normally what'll happen is um that you know you'll take the kids out after lunch or after break time and they'll go on the field or around the playground and they'll, they'll you know jog the distance required or walk the distance if if that's the level they're working at to run a mile and people were using sports funding for it and people were, you know, kind of using it as their PE hours that they were clocking up. And I always felt a bit that, I don't know, it, it, I understand physically active is important. And yes, we can't have, but I don't know, that fitness part of it always sat a bit. I, I, I never liked the Daily Mile as, as you know, I, I felt I'd rather have games. I'd rather have sports. Yeah. I'd rather have like uh, domain specific uh, subject uh, sports specific skills being learned people interacting with each other uh, tactics all of those parts of PE performance you know within the dance and the gymnastics yeah. there's more than just fitness right yeah I think the the daily mile is great I'm all for do, do the daily mile get the children up and out but you have to have PE as well they need to learn they need to learn how to play a sport they need to learn maybe that they have a passion for a sport that they weren't didn't know even existed. Learn something that they didn't know, tactics, um, decision-making, problem-solving, teamwork. It's all the basic skills that, that children need in order to, you know, survive in school. And they're not going to learn that walking around a field, doing a mile. No, These not certainly. Yeah, no, not on their own. And yeah, I think less and less certainly at the moment. And one of the things that I, you know, I'm not sure I feel about PE moving that way towards the kind of stood in front of a screen, all individually doing our fitness together. Yeah, is more and more other subjects we we find ourselves using techniques that are less and less group work, and sometimes for very good reason. You know, very strong pedagogical evidence that. You know, us doing them individually or not in kind of sat round tables doing exploratory group work. Um, that's the right way for us to go in, say, maths, in history, in, in those ways. So the option in PE to work as a team, to play a sport that requires interaction and communication, actually, I think that's what Joe Wicks loses in that sense yeah. by doing it that way. Yeah, I yeah I agree. It was more... Um, yeah, it was just more fitness. It was more something you can do on your own, whereas PE is something that needs to be done as a team. Fabulous. Right, well, I, I'm really excited about where we go next because we're going to go to some adverts. Um, it's been great getting to know you. Remember, if you are listening into the show, you can click that call-in button um, and uh, ask a question of either myself or Ellie. Um, we're talking about PE, we're talking about sports. We're going to, after the ads, going to be talking specifically about gymnastics, why it might be scary to some people. I'm, I'm going to use that word. I know some people have said, you know, oh, it's, you know, training support. I'm going to say scary. Why some people might be worried or nervous. Um, are you okay to stick around, Ellie? 
Yeah. Fabulous. So I'm going to pop us over to the ad break now and we will see you all on the other side. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Hello everyone and welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things black history and beyond. I'm your host, Diana Lynn Cook, making space for honest conversations about black British, Caribbean and African history. Here to teach you all the things left out of your school books. Make sure you subscribe to the History Hotline on all good podcast platforms. Follow us on social media at the History Hotline on Instagram and at the History HL on Twitter to find out about new upcoming episodes. Do you struggle with people-pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the MAL CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course? Or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and the emotionally intelligent leader courses? All MAL CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Boradar Pau, Kroisoi Abitawi. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Swansea and to Teachers Talk Radio, the Wednesday Twilight Show with me, Nathan Ginn, where I am talking with Ellie Sturton, um, secondary PE teacher, qualified gymnastics coach, and we are talking about all things uh, PE, um, getting to know her just before. So if you missed it, you can listen back at ttradio.org slash listen back, where you can listen back to this or any of our shows from all of our hosts. Um, but we have uh, kind of met Ellie. We have found a little bit out about where she's coming from. I'm feeling we are going to be agreeing more than we're going to be disagreeing tonight, Ellie. Yeah, I agree. Yep. You know, I think <laughs> well, we agree that we will be agreeing more. Uh, just an update, if you were listening at the start of the show, my fire seems to have uh, uh, reignited itself. I, so I'm getting a little bit of heat. I can see some flames from the corner of my room. So I might not freeze uh, before the end of the show. Uh, so that is good for us. Now, um, one of the things that, you know, I, I guess we want to talk about, Ellie, is training as part of support. So I want to start this part off with a little poll that I ran. And I asked primary colleagues specifically, because obviously I w- one would assume, but maybe you can fill us in a little bit more, that secondary PE colleagues have had a significant amount of PE training. Um, But I asked primary colleagues what level of training they felt that they had had uh, to teach PE. Um, uh, 15% said they'd no recorded training. 
Okay, so I, I don't know whether they mean at all ever because uh, 52% said they'd had some on their teacher training, on their ITT course. They'd had some form of training, although some of the comments coming in were saying that they just had a day, which horrifies me, and, and I'll explain why in a second. Um, yeah. 22% said that they'd had some kind of school CPD. Um, you know, again, maybe that's introducing a new scheme of work, maybe a, a, a staff meeting after work. But again, it, do, it doesn't sound like a lot. Only 11% um, said that they'd had some kind of NGB, National Governing Body, training. Now, myself, my background was in outdoor ed. Um, and so picking up tickets, picking up uh, qualifications was um, something I was used to because you weren't delivering a session you weren't qualified in. So I taught archery. I needed to get the National Governing Body Certificate to be an archery coach. I needed to get that from the Grand National Archery Association. Um, same for orienteering from the British Orienteering Federation. I had to get a ticket. Um, same for canoeing, the British Canoe Union. You, you, know, you need these qualifications because the training they represent, and even to a point on my training, for, which was only a PGCE, I say only because of the, the time that I had to do training in. But within that, I did a um, certificate with the uh, Welsh Cricket Board, a certificate with Welsh Athletics, um, a certificate with uh, Welsh Rugby, um, and a couple of others as well. So it turns out I had been on my PGCE quite well prepared compared to other people. Um, yeah. How do you feel as a PE teacher, and maybe you can explain the kind of rigour and training that you had to go through to deliver PE to year sevens, how do you feel about year six colleagues then who are saying for the most part that they have had either no or a day's training to deliver PE? Uh, I think it's, it's quite worrying that, that these teachers, obviously they, they've, they're not trained to teach PE, so how how can they teach PE, you know, thoroughly, properly to the year six pupils who then have a huge jump to being taught all these different sports quite thoroughly and specifically, you know, rules, tactics and all the, the, the different parts of a game. It's a lot for an 11-year-old to take in in one go, especially if they've never been taught that before or they haven't been taught it properly. Um, it it can be quite quite a big impact on on the child, and I think especially for the teacher, they're going to lack that confidence, and that they're not going to enjoy teaching it. So, you know, sometimes they might choose not to, or they'll just play a game rather than teach the sport. Yeah, and you know, I I really relate to that as a you know when you say that, that maybe we just play a game. I often described it as as I say, I was te when I was teaching outdoor ed, we often delivered taster sessions. So it would just be doing the activity. It wasn't really coaching. It wasn't really development. It was, okay, so today we're going to do this. And I hear that a lot in primary PE. Oh, we're doing football at the moment. Not whereas, you know, the rigour in other subjects now, um, you hear people talking about the learning objectives and they're learning specific. Still, I think in primary PE sometimes we talk about, oh, you know, we're doing football at the moment. And I'm kind of like, well, we're doing doing what with football you're you're just going to kind of kick some balls around aimlessly but the worry for me 
and this is where I guess we'll, we'll get onto the gymnastics more specifically, is that there are safety rules that exist around sports, right? Um, yeah. it, at primary level as well, but I imagine at secondary um, they exist because I know certainly being told that there are limits around what certain age groups can do for distance running. Yeah. Um, you know, but even at primary school, there are rules around what sport we sports we can teach in certain ways, and rugby is a great example of that. You know, I with if I've had no training and I like watching rugby on telly, you know, apart from hopefully realizing that it would be fairly silly, you know, what's to stop me introducing the scrum to my year fives? Do you see what I mean with the worry yeah. for that? And I imagine yeah. that you would have similar worries when we talk about gymnastics. Yeah, definitely. I think if, if you're if you're unaware of you know what's safe for that age, then you you know you you're gonna have you're just gonna think that that's fine. You're gonna think, yeah, I can go and teach my eight year olds how to do a scrum when really they they've not developed their bodies aren't developed properly to do a scrum without injuring themselves and that's why obviously that isn't taught until you know year eight nine and even then not all children you know children maybe in the lower set of PE may not be taught that because they're not ready for it they're not confident enough to do it without you know the risk of there being an injury yeah and and so I guess for me the training and you know I do get maybe I don't know what it is about me but I get fixated on you know collecting badges and certificates and things maybe I was in the scouts too long you know but yeah. collecting those tickets they they represent a level of training and expertise yeah um and that I would then sign off to say I understand the rules for these things and I remember them being really shocked as a PE lead when I was in primary school and one of my first leadership roles was as a PE lead you know having the the this bible of guidance from the county council put in front of me and realizing that a lot of the staff didn't know what was in there and and that I found really shocking at a primary school level because I walked into the PE shed and found metal javelins and right. I found uh, metal shoppers, um, and I found not just fun foam discuses, but the proper weighted, dense rubber um, yeah. discuses. And I was like, "What? What are these doing here?" And they had a um, uh, a high jump, and I was like, "Well, is, has anyone told you what is dangerous, what isn't dangerous about this?" And I had grown up as the son of two. Uh, PE teachers so I had a little understanding that hang on I I knew enough to know something was wrong but I worry that without that knowledge maybe we are risking something at primary school level around it do you see what I mean yeah absolutely I think it's it's concerning that that school had you know metal javelins like even at high school like it's so regimented that lesson is you know you know I've, I've taught a, a javelin lesson with metal javelins before and they really reiterate the safety you know you do not move until we tell you to move you don't go in front of the white cones until we tell you that you can move um do not throw until obviously again the teacher tells you to throw because you know you hear them horror stories of children getting hit by a metal javelin by a metal shot put and you know unfortunately you know there's no coming back from being hit by a I don't know 10 kilo 
shot put. It's it's horrific and teaching that to, you know, six, seven, eight, nine year olds is it's frightening because it's it's scary doing that in high school. Yeah, I mean, you know, I immediately parceled them up and phoned up the secondary school and asked them if they wanted them. Yeah. Um, because we I didn't want them even around because I fear that is one of the things that if you have the stuff laying around, people will think it's there to be used and yeah, exactly. kind of go, oh, well, yeah, I give it a go. Why not? And not put the safety in place. That leads us on to gymnastics, okay? Yeah. Because for me, uh, not in a sneaky, nasty way, but gymnastics is almost one of the, the – like it gives you a false sense of security of around the safety issues of it. Yeah. Because, you know, oh, we all do forward rolls, you know. Oh, the yeah. kids will do cartwheels in the playground. So do you see what I mean? It gives us like a, a false sense of security. Um, yeah. Now, it's worth noting, if you are listening live, you can call in if you have a question. Uh, join the conversation. You can text in, uh, and I will read out your questions live on air, and we will try and answer them. But, um, Ellie, we, you put out a poll sort of asking why do um, – you lack why do teachers lack confidence in teaching gymnastics do you know what the results were yeah would you like me to read them out are you going to read them out for us yeah i've got i've got them here um so it was actually really interesting to see because there's a few people did make comments and i got a few dms um from people like sort of discussing you know what their worries and concerns were about gymnastics but 50 percent of the people said that they lacked the knowledge so it, which from the comments, you know, I had people saying they've just never had any training in it. They've never, um, you know, been taught how to teach gymnastics, especially safely. Uh, and then I had 21% struggled with ideas. So, you know, what to put into the lessons, you know, how to actually teach it. What do we need to teach? Um, then 16% said they were scared to teach it. Again, you know, fear of injury, height. And then, you know, fear of teaching it wrong, fear of not being safe. And then um, there was a few people who said um, that the the lack of prep time and the lack of equipment was a fear for them because, you know, it, it does take, it takes a long time to, to set up the equipment, especially if you're going to be using vault bars, rings, you know, beam it you've got to set up mats, crash mats, all the equipment, and that it doesn't take five minutes. It's not something you can do at the start of the lesson. You've got to have time before the lesson to do it. Um, and then obviously another issue being the lack of equipment. I had somebody message me and tell me that at their school they only had mats, so they had no idea what they could do for lessons. But there is still a lot you can teach, but it's, you know, for, for some it's not as exciting as and fun if you can't get all the equipment out and have a go at, you know, trying out new things that that is exciting. Um, okay, so yeah, and then from sort what? of all of these ideas together, and so we know that people lack a knowledge of a knowledge in gym. So I'm guessing that some of that is around the progression, some of it is around what the the purpose of gym is. But what do you see as being sort of what is the core thing the core being of gymnastics uh, what what is it our, our core goal of gymnastics i think 
gymnastics is is all about finding out how your body works, finding out what different shapes, balances, movements you that you can do with your body because it's not, you know, it, it's not a basic movement. There's so many different things that you can do with your body to make it look, you know, aesthetically pleasing, which is obviously a big aspect of gymnastics and dance is putting together a sequence of movements that looks good to the eye. Um, okay, no, I really, I really like that. that. Um, it's putting together a sequence of movements that look good to the eye. So if I'm starting with that as my basic kind of understanding, so I know I know this much. What I know is that my, my lessons and hopefully – hopefully people have got support and planning because I, for me, there is nothing worse than people teachers being left in the wind of, you know, schools just saying, Oh, you need to do a half term of gymnastics based around fire that, you know, that is upsetting to me when that happens, but that's my basics of it. What is bad gymnastics going to look like teaching then if I start putting something together I say okay well okay I can you know we can look at some shapes I can I can build up a series of lessons where we're looking at some shapes I can maybe do that over some apparatus or on some apparatus I guess at what point does it you know does it fall apart for me I think you know the the big thing being unsafe unsupervised and unstructured lessons so if you're Obviously, if you're planning a lesson that's unstructured, you know, there's no structure to the lesson. It's just today we're going to look at roles and then, you know, you're doing a little bit on floor and then but on the same lesson, you're moving on to doing something on a piece of equipment. And, you know, they may be not ready to move on to that piece of equipment yet. Um, you know, it's you've not set up the equipment safely. There's no crash mats or mats um, on your maybe focused on something else whilst somebody's using an equipment unsupervised that for me would be the biggest like worry of a bad lesson in gymnastics because that just screams somebody's going to get injured and it can be quite serious especially when you get in the apparatus out um so if you know i've got i've got bad lessons where you know i i I clearly haven't understood the apparatus the safety around them yeah um, and, and a school should have guidance on that it should have risk assessments it should have training for one of you know every school I've been at and I would hope other schools do too before you can use the gymnastics equipment you know particularly in primary schools when we have wall bars that need getting out and locking into place you have to have some kind of training to be shown how to do it and it goes on your CPD record yeah been shown how to do that so you know the but I'm really interested in you you talk about unstructured kind of time and I guess there's a learning risk there as well, because I've often seen it where it's kind of, okay, we've got a gymnastics lesson. I've got some equipment out and everyone knows how to use, use it and there's mats and it's all safe. But, okay, you need to explore for me some shapes to do with fire. And, um, yeah, uh, I want five shapes and a bit of movement. Off you go. You know, there should be teaching right within it. There should be an introduction and a demonstration and some, some, some things that they're learning. Yeah. So I, the, the easiest thing they're supposed to do, cause I, I'm all for it being like a guided discovery kind of lesson, you know, throw the questions at them, you know, what kind of shapes can you make with your body? But 
put a few resource cards out, put some skills cards out that have got examples on, maybe show a video if you've, you've got access to that sort of technology. Um, and if you know you've got a gifted child in that class who's, you know, strong gymnast, have them maybe given a few ideas um, and then, you know, float around the room a little bit, give them some suggestions off the resource card. And then it just makes everything a little bit more structured. They, they've got a clear guideline of what, that skill, that movement needs to look like in order for it to be aesthetic and safe. And so this would be maybe our kind of cut through where I'm saying, you know, unfortunately I am at slightly past his prime gentleman and I am trying to demonstrate some gymnastic shapes that maybe I can't quite fit into anymore. Um, but I, you know, I can use resource cards. I can use video clips to to help that, and it's it's not going to detriment too much my teaching. Yeah, I think there's loads of cards, like especially you know, on Tez and on these these sort of websites. Um, you know, I, I purchased one when I was doing my um, placement, and it was just just an A4 piece of paper with balances on it, and it was like partner balances. And they were colour coded from easy to hard, and there was some like mid level ones. And I just put them out on the floor and said, you know, sort of do pick the ones that you feel comfortable doing. You know, start on the green, the easiest ones, and move your way up. Try and put them into a sequence. Try and make them look nice. And then when I spotted, you know, a correct balance that looked good stop the class, tell everyone to look at this skill, look at this balance and everybody gives it a go. And it's it's just the easiest way for you if you're not confident in, te in teaching or showing gymnastics yourself, how to get that across without having to actually do it. And I guess as a PE teacher, and you know, feel free to, to, to you know, ignore this question if, if you if you feel it's too much. But even as a PE teacher, so you're a PE specialist, there must be you know some sports where you're not as proficient, and particularly at secondary level, as some of the children that you're you're going to be teaching, right? Yeah, definitely. There's there's you know a couple of sports, you know, like hockey, for example. At hockey is not my sport I'm not confident in teaching hockey at all but if I have a child in my lesson who is good at hockey I'm absolutely going to use them for all my demonstrations because it's just it's just easier for me and easier for the class to understand what it's supposed to look like brilliant so um we've, we've talked a little bit there about you know the, the risks of gymnastics why do you think it is gymnastics what you know what this has come up a lot though you know people talking about gymnastics as the you know as the, the one that they're most scared of why do you think gymnastics um i think when you watch gymnastics on telly it's always like olympic level or national level and it, it is impressive and it's scary they're doing like triple twist back somersaults and you know it's you look at that and you think oh my god i can't i can't do that i can't teach that like that's i i could never even begin to imagine teaching that and even myself like you, it's not something that i would ever teach because i'm not at you know elite level but what people don't see is that it really 
is simple. You don't have to teach that. But if you wanted to teach gymnastics, you just break them skills right down. And um, and I think people don't, teachers don't really see past that, the fact that it is impressive. These big skills are impressive and they are hard to teach. And it is scary, especially when you're watching it on the telly and you hear these horror stories of people getting injured and, the, you know, ruining their careers because they've landed funny on the ankles or their knees and they think oh god if that happened in my lesson you know what would what would you do like it, it's frightening it is scary and I completely understand that but I think it, the more people actually see that high school and primary school level gymnastics you can just start from as simple as making a tuck shape with your body making a pike shape a star shape and then seeing what you can do with their movements rather than jumping at the deep end and getting the beam out and doing somersaults and stuff off the beam. Um, now, we've had a text in from Jenny who said, uh, thanks, you've really boosted my confidence with gymnastics, which is lovely to hear. Jenny, if you wanted to call in, yeah, you can yeah, click yeah. that call in button uh, if you had a specific question or if you wanted to text us in a question to ask our guest, Ellie, um, then we will ask that as well. But thank you there because, yeah, I, you know, the thing that I take away from that, Ellie, is you're right. When I think of gymnastics, I think of um, the the Olympics and, and what I'm seeing. But yeah. when I think of football, I think about football in the park, you know. And, okay, so I watch, yeah. you know, I do watch football on telly, but I have a completely warped perception, I guess, or maybe a lot of yeah. people do, of of pitch, you know, no pun intended, of the, the pitch of the lesson for what I'm doing there because I'm looking at, one, I'm looking, you're right, at elite level work and the other one, I'm kind of comparing it to, a, I guess, age-appropriate, skill-appropriate level stuff. Um, so that is a real takeaway for me. Um, now, Ellie, uh, have you got a rush off or are you going to stick around for a little bit? No, I can stick around. Stick around because what I want to do is I want to go to the news and then I want to pick your brain about PE pedagogy, okay? I promise not to ask any more really hard, in-depth questions. I might put you on the spot about PE teacher myths and, uh, you know, kind of stereotypes. But if yeah. you're happy to stick around after the news, we'd love to keep talking to you. Is that all right? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, cool. Fabulous. Okay. Well, listeners as well, we are going to the news and we will see you on the other side to talk more about PE pedagogy, why it's the best, and also uh, talk about some PE myths about PE teachers and, sorry, Ellie, why they're the worst. Okay. <laughs> off we go to the news and we'll see you all on the other side. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Megan Goods. This is your latest Teachers Talk Radio News. The government has laid out plans to make offering advertising or providing essay writing services to university and college students for financial gain illegal. The new measure will be part of the Skills and Post-16 Education Bill, which hopes to transform further and technical education. The Department for Education said it hopes the criminalisation of essay mill services will stop students from falling prey 
to deceptive marketing techniques from contract cheating services. The latest coronavirus figures show that 204,000 students were absent in England last week due to contracting or having close contact with the virus. This equates to 1 in 40 students off school in England, up from 1 in 80 on September the 7th. Teaching unions have called the statistics grim and fear it is the unvaccinated status of the majority of 10 to 19 year olds that is causing the rise. That was your latest Teachers Talk Radio News. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Boradar Palb, Kroisoi Abatawi. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Swansea. And you find me, Nathan Ginn, here on Teachers Talk Radio on the Wednesday Twilight Show, talking to Ellie Sturton about PE, gymnastics, PE teachers, PE pedagogy, the whole lot. We've rolled it into one big ball and, and we are discussing it all. So, Ellie, welcome back. Thank you. And um, now I did throw a little curveball at you just before, and then I muted you to go away. And I said that PE teachers were the worst. Now I should say, you know, I'm going to put it out there. I am the the son of of two PE teachers or two train uh, PE trained teachers. They later went on to teach other subjects, so I do feel that I have, you know, some leeway in being marginally poking fun at uh, PE teachers. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So there, there are, um, I'm going to read you, we'll, we'll set the scene on a positive, because this was a tweet that came in from Chris Moyce, at Chris Moyce, who said, if you want to see fast, relevant starts, brief and accurate explanations, chunked tasked, great modelling, verbal feedback at its best, adaptive teaching and highly responsive and adaptive teachers, go watch PE teachers. Okay. Um I can't help but agree, you know, I trained, I guess, you know, uh, my first teaching experience was teaching sports or at least teaching outdoor ed sports. Um, But do you see um, all of those things in uh, PE teaching when you transfer it back to other lessons and people are sort of saying, oh, you need to give verbal feedback? Do you kind of go, yeah, that's, I know. How do you feel about PE pedagogy? I think, yeah, I think it's, that was spot on, really. It's a, it's a lot more than what people think that it is. You know, verbal feedback is like a given, obviously, because you can't, you can't just sit there and watch somebody, you know, a student learn a sport and not say anything, especially if they're doing it, you know, incorrectly and they need, you know, pushing in the right direction. That That's, you know, that's all part of the subject. It's all part of teaching PE. You've, you've got to give lots of praise and lots of reinforcement you know it and it, it it's naturally it comes completely naturally I, I find it really difficult to walk around my lesson and not say something even if it's just like you know great work guys fantastic you know try it this way 
or you know make sure you're watching your footwork if we're doing netball it's just completely completely natural yeah i you know i i recognize that in my teaching style is in the classroom is very much active and around and when i see yeah. pe teachers you know there there is almost constant feedback constant encouragement as well i think you know of yeah. yeah that's it keep you know and i don't necessarily or certainly i feel that other areas of teaching were late to catch on to that as a possible way of keeping children on task yeah i think what needs to be recognized is like especially in PE, you've got to keep these children motivated because a lot of the time, and, you know, I don't want to be stereotypical, but it, it girls, it's difficult motivating girls to do PE a lot of the time. And you've got to be constantly telling them, you know, that they're doing a good job and that, you know, what they're doing is right and that they, they look, it's all looks good what they're doing, you know, that sort of stuff to keep them keep them going and keep them active, keep them wanting to join in. Otherwise you're just going to lose them and that they're, they're just going to think that they're rubbish. And like you say as well, the feedback is almost inbuilt with PE, right? You know, it is that there's, there's constant tweaking in that, in that sports coaching approach. It's, it's kind of almost about constant feedback, not just um, that you're getting from the teacher or from a partner that you're working with, but also you get it from the outcome almost immediately with PE. You know, if I am learning to spin a rugby ball as part of a pass, the the answer is there immediately. Whereas in maths, I might have to wait for an answer sheet or in English, I might have to wait for it to be marked. PE is all about instant feedback almost, isn't it? Yeah, if you if you don't give that instant feedback, that child's going to walk away thinking they might have done something right when actually it was you know, not the correct technique or not maybe the safest technique that they were using. And, you know, it, that causes all kinds of issues. You know, they need to know there and then that that's not correct. Otherwise, they're not learning anything in that lesson. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, don't get me started on primary school toe punts. There is a stage where kids go through in primary school football where they learn that if you, you know, toe punt the football it will ping off really, really fast or really far. Yeah. And that seems like a really great idea because you're achieving the, the desired result, I guess, that the ball is pinging off fast and far towards the goal. But it's a terrible kind of habit to pick up, right? And it needs to be addressed so that the kids aren't carrying that forward as their only way of kicking the ball is toe-punting it down the field. Yeah, exactly. That's And especially if they're not taught that in primary school, then when they do get to high school and they are just towing this ball around the football pitch, it, it's quite frustrating because then they're thinking, well, no, I've been doing it right all these years. And it's like, well, no, it's not right. And then you've got to try and turn that all around and teach them the correct technique. And, it, you know, it's a habit, isn't it? They come into this habit that you've got to then try and break. Yeah, certainly. Um, okay, so that is my little bit. Okay, so we're doing that that kind of sandwich approach where well, we, we've said lots of nice things. Here's, here's a little bit more controversial. Um, okay. There are some negative stereotypes out there, right, or neg yeah. of, of PE teachers. Uh, yeah. Right? 
you know, I, I mean, in general, you you are much earlier in your career than I am, so I'm going to assume much younger than I am. So potentially, all of your teachers were were modern and wonderful and and lovely, um, but um, certainly I have a um, recollection or an experience of PE teachers who were. I guess, you know, making us do press-ups in the snow for rugby practice would be one of my examples, you know, sort of that, uh, you know, this is the 80s. So, you know, there was some some fairly uh, mean-spirited ex-army type PE uh, teachers out there. Yeah. Do you recognise any of those stereotypes in the modern PE uh, uh, collegiate cohort uh, I think, yes, I think I'll, I've come across teachers who are, um, you know, a little bit older that have been teaching PE for a long time that are, they don't really adapt their teaching to the modern changing, you know, teaching of PE. And it is, you know, very regimented, you know, you will, it's all very command style teaching, you will do what I say, how I say it, rather than getting them to sort of discover it for themselves. Um, oh, okay. I, see, I was expecting you to say, no, the dinosaurs are gone and us new generation are here, but, the, you know, there's still no. some of this going. So de- describe for me a little then, because I still imagine PE as, you know, somewhat as my PE in school, which is where, you know, I guess drills and drills and not so many skills. Um so what's a, what's a modern kind of PE pedagogic approach then? What what kind of things are you looking for, are you doing? Um, so like a standard scheme of work, I suppose, would be like over six weeks and you'd do, you know, each lesson would focus on a different aspect or a different skill of the game, depending on what year you're in. Obviously, as you get through high school, you start focusing less on the skill and more on the tactic and the dynamic of the game and, you know, how to be competitive and how to win the game. Whereas, you know, in year seven, you're learning the skills in the game. So, you know, you might start off with passing and you'll do, you know, maybe two or three passing drills, learning how to correctly pass. You'd probably do it then in a a small competitive situation, like it may be a conditioned game at the end of the lesson. And then, you know, you'd work every week at something new. And then the end of that term, that block, you know, you'd do your big game and you'd have everybody involved. Um, that's, you know, that's sort of how we're taught to do it now and that's how a lot of schools will do it. But, yeah, you'd do, unfortunately, still get your teachers who will just drill, 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 drill and sort of they lose the, the fun side of it. Like, kids love experimenting with these things. They, you know, they love going out and trying out different activities and, you know, new games that maybe they've never done before. And it can be as simple as a warm-up activity rather than just doing two laps of the field play a game have somebody lead the warm-up like a a pupil lead the warm-up it needs to be fun and like exciting okay so that that is our goal but yeah as I say you know I, I I think still out there are some of these myths and you see them in um you know tv shows and comedy shows of yeah. you know that it's really easy to depict I think a PE teachers maybe get a bit of a, a bashing because they're really easily stereotyped um and yeah. of course you you get to wear um like jogging bottoms all day right <laughs> yeah it's great <laughs> <laughs> I love wearing my uh my comfies 
there's no um you know just accepting of that I, you know I, I, I tried to poke fun but you're just like yep yeah, fine yeah that's what we yeah, do yeah well uh, yeah <laughs> okay um now one of the things that i want to read out to you okay so what i want to do is just a little bit um i'd like to run through before we maybe just discuss a few of our tweets maybe after the next ad break but what i've got here is i've got an article um by james aikinson it was 2019 this article but i think they still stand true somewhat it's five things you should never say about pe okay specifically some of these in primary but i want to get your opinion on some of these right so here we go number one I can't teach PE. Okay. Um, okay. What would you say to a teacher who said that? You know, you've met a primary colleague, maybe it's someone from a feeder school, that they've come up to you and said, I can't teach PE. Um, well, I'd probably just be like, have you ever even tried to teach PE? Because it's not, you know, it's nothing different. It's not that it's not easy, it's not difficult, but it's, you know, if you know if you follow a lesson plan, you know, if you follow exactly what needs to be taught, it's not, you know, the hardest thing in the world. I mean, I, I've obviously only ever trained in PA, so I, I can't sit here and say it's difficult, but... Um, Ellie, you are doing a fab to... job. You've you've pretty much read off exactly what the author of this piece has said. They've said uh, classroom pedagogy doesn't change with PE. It's just a different environment. If you can teach, yeah. you can teach PE. And well-planned and resourced lessons, you know, it's there for you. So Yeah, exactly. I honestly, you know, as I say, I was a multi-sports um, type instructor and I had never done, like, I, I got a coaching certificate in fencing, you know, like sword fighting, fencing. Yeah. Um, and I'd never thought about doing it before. But it turns out once you kind of understand some of the principles, the skills, it's really enjoyable actually and well worth doing i would advise that if anyone can afford uh foam foils they are better but get get you a school of fencing club because it is brilliant it's like chess but uh physically active chess you know it's all tactics all you know consideration of reading body language brilliant but it was just applying what i knew from other sports to a slightly different discipline with slightly different rules and i feel that about yeah. any subject i guess yeah, definitely. I think like a, a good example I have of that is on my, one of my placements on the curriculum. They are Gaelic football. Oh wow! Um, I yeah, I was like, I've never ever played. I've never, you know, I've watched Gaelic football on the telly a little bit. Like I, I had an understanding of sort of what it was, but I didn't know the rules. I didn't know what you know what I was doing. But once you know, once I I, I watched a lesson and I did my research and broke it down. It's just a mixture of like, you know, we've got volleyball, rugby, football, and you just put it all together and you've got Gaelic football and it's really that simple. And the rules, again, it's it's just a, a combination of, of rules from different sports and they've just shoved it all together and called it Gaelic football. Yeah, I have to say, you know, some people do talk about it, um, to say the same thing about languages, but I do feel the same way about sports that, you know, picking up your first sport is is something but then once you pick up your second your third one's easier your fourth one's easier and actually you know they, they become easier and easier once you learn how to teach a sport picking up the next sport yeah. then is is easier and even easier so number one then i can't teach pe 
Ellie is saying, shut up. I think it was or something. <laughs> I'm probably going to say something a little bit more supportive that they can. It is possible. Uh, but there we go. Yeah. Um, number two, I don't teach PE. As in they're saying here, I've got a sports coach. I don't do it. I'm not, you know, dismissive. I'm not interested. I don't teach PE. What would you say to them? Um, I think I'd just say like, well, you can teach PE. And just because you don't, it doesn't mean you can't. Um, again, this, the, the same thing. If if you can coach a sport, you can teach PE. There's not much difference in it. You just I suppose it's just sort of the style of teaching and again, following a lesson plan. It's all there in front of you. There's no reason why you can't and why you shouldn't. Uh, you know, I agree with you entirely. I think those both, those first two are very similar. Uh, although I think, yeah. you know, I don't teach PE. If you're just palming it off, actually, if you know, you need to at least take responsibility for the health and fitness and attitudes towards sport part of it even if you're not delivering the actual lessons because at primary certainly they should be embedded throughout the uh the, the curriculum and throughout the school and the only other thing i'll add to that that frustrates me intensely as a as a school leader was other schools misusing sports premium funding uh, because you can yeah. use it in very specific ways for sports coaches if they are going to support teacher development but not just so your teacher can have extra PPA. It's supposed to be watching them, learning from them and growing. Okay, on to number yeah. three. Uh, oh, this is one I I hate. I think I've already mentioned this. Um, today we're doing basketball. Yeah, but you're not doing basketball. You're learning how to play basketball. If somebody said to me, we're doing basketball, I'd expect to be playing a game of basketball mm. for the whole lesson because that would be like doing basketball would be actually playing the game and I wouldn't be learning anything I'd just be playing it how I would play the game rather than saying you know we're learning how to play basketball you know these are the learning objectives the learning outcomes this is what exactly what we will be learning and you will be able to do this by the end of the lesson you're not doing it you're learning it oh yeah 100% I'm with you on that one break small steps learning objectives broken down yeah you know you, you're not you know not not task learning what's the learning what's what, what are we developing on what are we going to be better at or understand more by the end of the lesson we, yeah we're not doing basketball now remember if you're listening in the studio you can of course uh, text in or call in if you have anything to add about um, our discussion tonight about physical education and PE but number four really is oh, this actually made me cringe as I just read it let's play a game how do you feel about that? If you heard that mm. at the start of a PE lesson, let's play a game. Um, that's quite broad, isn't it? What, like, what game is it? A game, like an activity game, or is it a game of the sport? Um, you've kind of jumped in. I, I can tell you, you've got a sports mindset on because I read that as like, let's just play us. It's that it's something silly. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, let's just. Oh, okay, play a yeah. game like I don't know I'll, let's read on a little uh we wouldn't expect a child to write a fantasy story in English without teaching them the necessary techniques oh no maybe they have gone the way they've gone I think they they mean jump straight into let's play a game of football that's yeah so which is obviously like you can't just jump into a game of football like they said you can't just ask a student to to write a story if they've got no idea what needs to be included in that story 
you know you can't ask it's too much of them to ask it's like in math you can't ask them to you know complete this equation if they don't know you know how to complete the equation it's yeah, you, this, yeah. Okay, we've had a, a question text in from Dorian saying, is it simply my personal experience or do PE teachers tend to be a bit nifty at teaching geography too? Now, I'm, before I ask you this, Ellie, I'm going to say I have yeah. noticed that certainly that uh, PE teachers, when they get pulled over into the, uh, the, the, the classrooms, uh, they sometimes pick up a bit of geography as well. Um, I know, I, you know I, I've said that I was... Um, you know sporty or, or, or certainly had sport a sport background and I did a geography degree um, Ellie how good are you at geography um, I'm actually quite good at geography I did well I did um, GCSE geography and I got a B and when I am teaching and during, in fact during university it was used quite a lot geography within the P lesson so in order to, you know, pick team captains, you'd shout out, what's the capital of, I don't know, what's the capital of Sweden? And whoever called out the correct answer would then be the team captain. You know, little things like that. Oh, I suppose it is and, spatial. Yeah, Ge- geography that. geography is spatial, isn't it? You know, it's, yeah. it's mo- movement around space. Um, it's probably outdoorsy, maybe. Like, did you do Duke of Edinburgh? Were you one of those people? You got out hiking and camping? Um, no, I didn't actually. Um, oh, okay. I'm not a camper, really. I, yeah, I'm not. I'm outdoorsy, but camping. The walking part didn't bother me, but the camping part wasn't okay. good for me. So yeah, maybe I think there's a link there that you know people who are physical, the geography field trips, maybe I don't know, but that is a good spot, Dorian, there on the text because um, yeah. yeah, I think maybe there is a, a, a link there somewhere. Okay, number five, and this is the last one, just for this little section of our things you should never say about PE. Ah, oh, I, I, honestly, um, if you don't finish your writing, you can finish it in PE. Yeah. See, we did. We talked a lot about this. This was like a huge, like discussion point at university when you when we studied PE, um, and it's the same with taking children out of PE to study for exams um it's got to be up there with one of the worst things that you can do to a PE teacher because it's like imagine walking into a maths or an English lesson and picking a student out to do PE like they they just would never they would never have it because the I think it's the respect that teachers have for PE is just not quite as high up on their list as your other core subjects. I think people forget that PE is still a core subject and it isn't just playing a game. It's yeah, it isn't just learning. a bit of isn't just a bit of fresh air or, you know, I'll yeah. get to have a run around. Um it really ties in well with a tweet one of the tweets we had um about the show, which was from a Rachel V Powell at Rachel V Powell, who said, um, I'm not sure it's saying um about teachers want not wanting to uh, at primary wanting to teach PE saying I'm not sure it's us saying um, we don't want to teach PE it's saying we feel more responsible for our children's standards in maths and English and again I think you're right it's you know oh you know you've got this to finish off when can we take you out of something oh we'll take you out of PE and that yeah I've heard that a lot I guess it it happens it happens a lot you you find that especially coming up to GCSE season, that 
when they're planning out your exam study timetable, they'll take copy off year 11s because they, they find that they can be doing, I don't know, finding that time more useful for studying when obviously in reality, yeah, maybe year 11s, girls in particular, don't join in with PE as much as a younger pupil will, but it's still that hour for them is away from an academic subject. They can go and have some fresh air and they can, you know, let off a bit of steam, let out a bit of stress and think about something other than their GCSEs, but instead they take that off them and it's exams all throughout the day. Hey, and you know, don't get me uh, don't get me started that you um, they've also taken the sports hall off you probably to fill it with tables and chairs. You know, so you've already oh, lost that that, yeah. that space as well uh, during exam yeah. season and uh, responses. Um, TSCW has a, a message in uh, oh hundred. Yep, really agreeing with what you're saying there. Now, um, Ellie, we've got one more ad break, and then when we come back, I've got a couple of tweets I want to ask you. You still okay to stick around? Because I'm really enjoying this conversation. Yeah? Yeah, no, of course. All right, uh, listeners as well, remember, you can call in, you can text in, and we will see you on the other side of these breaks where I will marginally be uh, poking fun at Ellie for um, admitting that one of the best things about being a PE teacher is she gets to dress uh, down all the day, like a non-uniform day every day. But we will see you on the other side of these adverts um, to answer some tweets and maybe some of your questions uh, that you text in. So see you on the other side. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Hello everyone and welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things black history and beyond. I'm your host, Diana Lynn Cook, making space for honest conversations about black British, Caribbean and African history. Here to teach you all the things left out of your school books. Make sure you subscribe to the History Hotline on all good podcast platforms. Follow us on social media at the History Hotline on Instagram and at the History HL on Twitter to find out about new upcoming episodes. Do you struggle with people pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the Mal CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course? Or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and the emotionally intelligent leader courses? All Mal CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out. 
with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello everyone, welcome to Swansea, welcome to Teachers Talk Radio Twilight Show on this Wednesday with me, uh, Nathan Ginn, and I'm talking to Ellie Sturton, um, PE teacher, gymnastics coach. We have been talking about everything uh, PE this evening, a whole PE uh, episode. We have talked about some tips for gymnastics, about where it comes from, some advice on PE teaching in general. We've talked a little bit about the myths. And if you have missed it, you can listen back at ttradio.org slash listen back, where you can hear this show or shows from any of our hosts um, all the way back as a search feature. So if you have a keyword or something that you're looking for to uh, enjoy or to help with your CPD, type that keyword into the search bar and it'll pull up all of the shows, all of the guests with all of the hosts, and you'll be able to find what you're looking for. Now, Ellie, welcome back. Hello. Hello. Um, thank you for staying with us. It's been great talking to you about PE. Um, I know I have been slightly teasing at points, but I do really appreciate the feedback and the the kind of honesty with which you shared with us um, some of your thoughts on PE. Um, I think that's really helpful for to to people particularly when they're listening I think um, it was described Teachers Talk Radio as a bit like a kind of uh, live staff room uh, where you know we are openly and honestly discussing um, these things which you have added to immeasurably tonight Um, but we have some tweets that I would like to read out Um, now this uh, is a is a, a kind of a toughy one, which is for me since I've been teaching, I think has been an ongoing battle, not just in PE but in other subjects as well. But uh, Mister at Mister Taylor Teach said, "Is there a misconception that PE is sports coaching? Do we focus on a narrow range of sports? Question mark. Uh, should we be focusing on more s- cross sports skills and fitness? Where do you sit on that kind of argument debate?" Um, I think, I don't know, I think maybe 50-50. I think, you know, I've been in some schools where, you know, the, the PE is, isn't, you know, as a higher standard as it could be and as it should be. Um, but I've also been at schools where, you know, they have a real wide range of sports, you know, Gaelic football, softball, um, you know, swimming, sports that you don't, you know, have at every school and, they tend to have more engagement, you know, across the school, across all of the classes. A lot more of the pupils get excited to do PE um, when you do have that, um, you know, wide variety of sports. And I think with the fitness as well, um, you know, having the opportunity to do Zumba classes, to do, you know, a bit of yoga, a bit of fitness, you know, if you've got like a gym suite with some equipment, it it'll appeal to a lot more pupils than than you might think you know if you give the option of doing you know zumba over you know football you'll find that a lot of girls especially will want to do that and that's it's fine it's you know it's still sport it's still them keeping fit and healthy mm. especially as they get you know higher up in the school year 10 and 11 but i like what you've mentioned there is that even you've talked about breadth right which is slightly different to you know as i remember the debates that happened on and there there was a point where skills existed stripped of their context uh, even within pe so you might be learning uh, doing a ball skills lesson 
where it had been, you know, yeah. it was about controlling a ball, but it had been stripped of all sport context. So it was just generically controlling a ball in a, you know, in a, in a and for me, I know I would have hated that as a child. I liked the breadth and I did lots and lots of different sports. I never specialised really. But I always liked them in context, you know, within a set of defined rules with a purpose to them. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, there's no point in teaching a skill if they then can't apply it in a game. Nice. Love that. I, I might get that written on a T-shirt. There's no point in teaching a skill <laughs> if they can't apply it in a game. That is brilliant. Okay, right. On to our next little tweet there. So that's our answer to Mr. Taylor Teach. Yes, skills and broad cross base. But there's no point in, you know, teach me in context. There's no point in teaching a skill if the, if, it, if you can't apply it in a game. Um, this one's from uh, Liam Keefe 84. And this is a hard one. I don't think we'll ever get to the end of this because this is like okay. a cir- circular argument. So he's saying, right. uh, not sure if it's necessarily be about not liking PE, as in teachers not wanting to do it, but more about possibly being a lot more purposeful and effective with a specialist. Primary PE, for example, uh, student teachers don't get a lot of training. Um, but oh, if we take that approach, right, and we in, hire in sports coaches or PE specialist teachers, then the other teachers will never get better at it, right? And so you'll never... Yeah. Do you see what I mean? I, yeah. There's, there's no yeah, solution. It's difficult. No, it's... Because if you get, like you said before, if you're getting a specialist in... And especially if, you know, teachers are using that sport premium money to cover their PPA time, they they won't go and watch the specialist teach. They won't go and take notes and learn for themselves because why would they when they've got somebody to do it for them? It's, yeah. yeah it's, you it's kind of just go around in circles because I can see like as yeah. a short-term fix, that would work. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, for this yeah. year. But then you kind of get into a loop of now no one is practicing or getting better at it. Yeah, that is a, a toughie there. But I would break that chain. I would invest in some training for staff. Um, because. Yeah, but then I, I believe in national governing body qualifications. And for me, I'd like to see teachers signing off individual sports, you know, spend the time yeah. on it, get them an FA certificate for football coaching if they're going to be doing yeah. upper key stage football. You know, it, yeah. It, there's a quality to that, not a half day on your PGC. But there no, we go. Definitely not. Okay, um, we have time for one more. Okay, and this one kind of okay. is the last little bit that I'm interested in here um, because I don't really know. Maybe this has been talked about, and you know, when you've been through teacher training more recently, maybe this is something thing. But Lizzie Swan, who actually is one of our advice, said. Um, also, she said that two primary schools had outsourced PE locally when she was talking with parents, but another one had reduced PE, claiming budget issues. Have you ever heard of such a thing? Um, no, not not because of budget. I, I hear a lot, you know, my mum works in a primary school and she says, you know, time is often a big issue and, mm-hmm. you know, they or space, you know, a lot of primary schools will only have outside and you know a hall one main hall and if it's raining and you're trying to you know battle it out for a hall and you know that's that's a separate issue but I don't see why having to cut down on PE because of a budget could ever be how that could be an issue like you you don't need 
a, a budget to teach PE. You know, you you need yeah basic equipment. You don't need to have the most fancy and the most expensive equipment. You know, sometimes just a ball and a couple of cones. You know, it's yeah, it's a really interesting. It is a really interesting kind of, you know, and I don't know if that's kind of like a smokescreen blame thing, but it came up and I was like, oh, I've not heard of budget needs being an issue no. for for PE departments. And, you know, okay, so I understand that there are sports equipment that people need, but, you know, it's, 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 it's not something that ever struck me before. Well, that does, on that note, lead us to pretty much the end of the show Ellie it has been fabulous uh, talking to you um, this evening and you know as I say I will echo the messages that we have seen in the chat of how much some of your gymnastics advice has uh, boosted people's confidence about teaching it so wonderful and thank you for that and you know and bringing it to the profession Um, any plans for the rest of this week are you in school do you not know yet um, I'm in doing some PE cover tomorrow, yeah. I'm Fabu- excited. Fabulous stuff. Do you know what year group? No, I don't find out till I get there. And have you checked so, the weather? Have you, have you checked the weather for tomorrow where you are? Um, it's going to be raining, so you could, you I could don't be one know of these, what's going to happen. could be one of these PE teachers that I feel sorry for then when I see them uh, out on the AstroTurf in the hammering rain tomorrow then. Yeah, I'm hoping they put me in the sports hall, but we'll see. Oh. Of course. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We are going to play out. Uh, remember, if you're listening, there are more shows tonight and you can always listen back on ttradio.org slash listen back. Uh, we will see you soon. Thank you again, Ellie. Thank you very much for having me. It has been an absolute pleasure. Okay. And off we go. Nostar. Good night, everyone. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.